If you turn in your Bibles now to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 6, we'll be reading there a blessing upon the family. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27. Very familiar passage that perhaps you have heard and at the end of sometimes church services or a pastor giving a blessing, perhaps it's it's a passage that is perhaps, again, familiar to many of you. Numbers chapter 6, as Aaron gives a benediction here, the end of this chapter, verse 22. It reads, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and I then will bless them. This morning we're privileged to have a friend a friend of our church for a very long time. Many of you know him. And for those of you who don't know him, he was the uh, former professor of preaching at Northwest Baptist Seminary here in Tacoma. Long time uh, counselor to me, a long time uh, professor, teacher, pastor, speaker. And uh, he is still in the area. And I know he was uh, heading up the doctor of ministry program there at Northwest Baptist for a while. He's been trying to uh, sell his home, and I'd like to ask if you would give him a warm welcome as he comes up to uh, bring this morning's message. Well, thanks, Pastor Joe. It's a joy to be back with you, although in some ways I wish I weren't. You know how that goes. Well, back when we were here the last time, I think it was the first Sunday of June, we were expecting to sell our house and be gone. And the 1st of July, we even shipped almost all of our stuff. We were so confident that we had a buyer for our house. And then that didn't happen. <clears throat> and um, we've, we're still sitting in it uh, with a lot less furniture. We've got one room is totally empty. The living room is basically empty. The dining room table is gone. We had an outdoor table, um, patio furniture. We brought the patio furniture inside. That's what we're using. So the patio table is the dining room table now. And uh, our bed is in Indiana. So we're sleeping on our, our guest bed, which isn't nearly as comfortable. We did buy a new electric blanket. So, you know, winter was coming and we figured we're going to have to have a blanket. So we got another blanket. But um, we really thought we'd be gone by this time, and the Lord didn't bring us a buyer. And why that happened? Well, you can blame it on the economy. You can blame it on the high gasoline prices. Although, aren't you glad they've come back down some? Uh, whatever it is, we don't know. But the Lord obviously wanted us to stay here. And in the meantime, we went ahead and we, we quote, retired. And so that means basically that we're not driving across the Narrows Bridge every day. That's basically what that means. But we're still busy. You know, I, I, we're still preaching and going out and ministering. And I'm still writing. I taught a doctor of ministry module in the month of October. I'm booked to teach a Ph.D. module in March. So, you know, life is continuing and ministry is continuing. But um, we still thought we'd be in Indiana by now, and that's not the case. We're still also representing Northwest Baptist Seminary 
uh, we took a trip to Chicago and I, we were representatives at Moody Bible Institute and we hope we're going to be making a trip down to Bryan College in Tennessee and maybe uh, Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska. So, you know, we've got things that we're still doing. Um, we're just doing it from here. Now, there is one other, I should say this, there is one other thing that we are extremely enjoying. We do have a couple of granddaughters, twin granddaughters that are here, and they just celebrated their 11-month birthday, you know. And uh, if you can celebrate an 11-month birthday, uh, their one-year birthday is coming up December the 11th, and it appears we're going to be around. Uh, You know, I doubt we'll get out of here that quickly. But uh, so we've been enjoying the granddaughters and we see them uh, at least every every two weeks. We see them sometimes every week. And they were over to our house just uh, the other night. And it was fun because since we have virtually no furniture, they can crawl anywhere they want to go. You know, we don't have to worry about them pulling things over because there's nothing to pull over. And they had a blast. I mean, they were all over the house. They were down the hall, back up the hall. And it was fun to watch them, especially we have this one bedroom that's completely empty. And we left the door open so they could go in and explore. So one went in and one was still in the hallway. And the one that went in shut the door. So the other one couldn't get in. So one's inside, one's outside. They're both banging on the door. So we had to rescue the one in the room. But anyway, it's, it's been fun having them around, and we've enjoyed that. But uh, right now, we talked with our realtor, and, and nothing is happening in the area where we live. There hasn't been any house sold in the last several months, except for a couple that are in foreclosure. And those were picked up. Uh, so on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, the realtor is coming and taking the sign down. And we're just going to take it off the market for uh, a couple of months and wait till after the new year and maybe after the new president is inaugurated because we all know that as soon as that happens, the economy will turn instantly around <laughs> and we'll have this massive influx of money going everywhere. You, you, you doubt that. Uh, well, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll wait. And after the first of the year, we'll put it back up for sale again. And then it'll be a new listing and people will see it fresh and we'll see what happens. In the meantime, the Lord is still faithful, isn't he? Whether we're here or whether we're somewhere else, uh, God is still faithful. And whether we're in Seattle or whether we're in Indiana or wherever we happen to be, Uh, The Lord is always there, and that's an encouraging thing. And in the meantime, it gives us the opportunity to be back here when we didn't think we would be. And, you know, we always enjoy being at Living Hope, and we enjoy you folks and the fellowship that we have with you and uh, just uh, seeing what God continues to do. So this is a special blessing to be back in fellowship together with you. Back uh, some time ago, I heard a story about um, a Christian musician. It was interesting. That, that song by the uh, pediatrician, I never, that was a brand new song to me. I enjoyed that. And uh, uh, there is a story about a Christian musician. And he was listening to his son as they were talking. His, little, his son was uh, elementary school age. And he was, his son was talking to a couple of his buddies. And they were bragging about their fathers. And the conversation went something like this. One of the little boys said, my dad knows the mayor. And the other little boy says, so my dad knows the governor. 
And the son of the Christian musician said, that's nothing. My dad knows God. Who would you rather know? If our kids, our grandkids, people in our church, the children in our church, as they look at you and us, do they say about us, my dad, my grandpa, knows God? Isn't that the best? Now, back several years ago, my wife and I, we had the joy of being in a, in a rally with uh, President Reagan. He was invited to come to Notre Dame University. This was back years ago when we lived in Indiana. And he was coming to Notre Dame University because they were inaugurating a brand new stamp. And the stamp was in honor of the football coach, Canute Rockney. And yes, his name is pronounced Canute. The K is pronounced. And uh, Reagan, you remember, was in the movie that many, many years ago, the, uh, what was it called? Can't remember the name of it right now, but Reagan, the, uh, Gipper, thank you, yes. Uh, and um, Reagan was in the movie, so they asked to him to come and de- dedicate the new stamp. And we were there, we had the opportunity to be at Notre Dame and actually be there. And and that was my only time in my entire life that I've been in a situation where the President of the United States was there, in person. And you know, that that was really special. And you you look at all the trappings that go with it, and when they play Hail to the Chief as he comes in, and and the excitement that you sense. And I I don't think I will ever forget that unless I get Alzheimer's and forget everything. But uh, that was really, that was an extraordinary occurrence. But is that anywhere near being able to come into the presence of God? And we can do that any time, any place. If we know Christ is our Savior, we have access to the very presence of God. And not only do we have access to Him, but He wants us to come into His presence so that He can bless us and bless our families. And I believe that's what we can learn from Numbers chapter 6. So take your Bibles and turn with me to this morning to that passage that Pastor Joe read from Numbers chapter 6. And we want to take a look here at verses 22 through 27. And in these verses, we do find instruction that God himself gave to the children of of Israel, specifically, specifically, I'll get that word out, through the Aaronic priesthood. Now, you have to remember what's going on in the book of Numbers. We read the book of Exodus, and we find that Israel had their great exodus from Egypt, and they were down at Mount Sinai. And then we read Leviticus, and we get into Numbers, and we kind of forget they are still at Mount Sinai. During all the time that God was giving that information in the book of Leviticus, they were still at Mount Sinai. And in the opening chapters of the book of Numbers, still they are at Mount Sinai. And the first ten chapters of the book of of Numbers are the plans that God is giving to them, getting them ready to move away from Mount Sinai and go to the promised land, the land of Canaan. So in that process of God getting them ready to make this move, to get them out of Mount Sinai and move them north into the promised land, the land of Canaan, as he gives them instruction about all the things that are going to be necessary, in the middle of all that, 
we have this benediction, this prayer for blessing. Some commentators have referred to this as the Lord's Prayer of the Old Testament. We are familiar with the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, so forth. Well, this is the comparable prayer that's in the Old Testament. It's the Lord's Prayer for his people. The Lord wants his people to pray this on behalf of one another. And the priesthood is the one that is going to have to take the lead in this. They're the ones that are going to set the example. And so God comes to Aaron and he tells Aaron and Aaron's sons, this is the way that you are to pray as you desire my blessing upon this people, the people of God. So as we come to to the book of Numbers, chapter 6, and these verses, we can find, I believe, principles that are still relevant for your life and for my life because God still wants to bless his people. God still wants to take his people and bring them into his presence and give them the very best that he has for them. So as we think of our families, as we think of our kids, we think of our grandkids, we think of our kids in Sunday school and the ministries that we have in church, this is the kind of prayer that we can still pray on behalf of the family of God. So let's take a look at it this morning. The outline is in the back of the bulletin. And you've got the, all the main ideas that are there. Now we're going to just fill in those ideas. So if you want to take some notes, you're welcome to do that. We're going to find three great truths concerning blessing upon the children of God and our families. The first one's found in verse 22 and 23, the source of true blessing. And in verse 22, we find the author. Notice it says, the Lord spoke to Moses and God is the one who initiated this thing. Sometimes we come before the Lord in prayer and we just kind of make up our prayers as we go. Well, in this case, God says, here's the way you can pray. He says, I'm going to give you the instruction. Now, when God tells us something to do, it's not our responsibility to try and retool it. It's our responsibility to just follow what he told us. Sometimes when we get advice from people, we look at it and we say, well, that may be good advice. That may be bad advice. And we kind of evaluate it. But when God tells us what to do, it's just something we ought to do. And here it comes from the Lord. You notice it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the name of God, sometimes referred to as Yahweh or Jehovah. This is the God who is the eternal, covenant-keeping God of Israel. This is the God who says, I've given you my promises, I've given you my word, I'll keep it. I'm the one who's faithful to you. And since God is faithful to us, then if he tells us how to live and tells us what to do, we can count on it being that which is going to be the very best for us. So it comes from the one who is the author of blessing himself. Notice verse 23. Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons, the children of Israel. This is the blessing that comes in an exact way. God says, I want you to do it this way. It's not left to mere chance. God says, I'm going to prescribe what I want you to do. It's like we go to the doctor, we're sick with something, and he gives us a prescription. Then what we're supposed to do is take the prescription. One of the things, I don't know if you ever stop at a grocery store and they've got these blood pressure machines where you can sit down and slide your arm in. You all do that. 
I do that. I find out what my blood pressure is, find out what my pulse is. Sometimes that can be discouraging, depending on who you are. Um, this last summer, I was at a blood bank situation. I was going to give blood. I haven't given blood in years because we took trips to Asia, to countries where they have to shoot you full of all kinds of drugs before you go to the countries to keep you from getting all these terrible illnesses. And then it takes years before all that stuff gets out of your body. And mine's out of my body. I figured, I can give blood. So I went, and this was back in August, went in to give blood, and they wouldn't take it because my heartbeat was 48. And they said, your heartbeat's too slow. We can't, you know, what happens if something goes wrong and your heartbeat drops even farther? And I, they said, how come your heartbeat's so, bad, so slow? And I said, well, because I run. You know, they, they asked me, she said, do you know how, you know what your heart is? Your pulse rate? And I said, well, it's probably about 50. She said, it's 48. And she wouldn't take my blood. So I've still got all my blood. You know, and I guess it would have come back anyway. But, you know, the idea is you, you, there are certain prescri- things that are prescribed. Well, here in this verse, God is the one making the prescription. He said, this is what I'm prescribing. Notice he says, thus you shall bless the children of Israel. This is the way you do it. This is the way you pray on behalf of your people. Well, if this is the way you're supposed to do it, well, then let's find out what it is you're supposed to do. So notice beginning in verse 24, 25, and 26, we have the content of what true blessing really is. And it begins in verse 24 with an emphasis on physical good. God is concerned about our physical well-being. He really is. Now we're going to go on in these verses and find out that he's concerned about more than that. But he is concerned about our physical well-being. And verse 24 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. Now there's an intriguing thing that happens in these verses. I want you to notice back in verse 23. Speak to Aaron and to his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the children, the sons. That's plural of Israel. Thus you shall say to them. That's plural. Drop down to verse 27. So they, that's plural, shall invoke my name on the sons, children, that's plural, of Israel. And I will bless them, that's plural. Verse 23, God says to the plural people, this is what I want you to do. Verse 27, God says, I'll bless the plural people. The intriguing thing is, verse 24, 25, and 26, all those words you They're all singulars. Every one of them. It's each individual. The only way you can have an effective large group is if you have effective individuals in the group. The way you have a nation blessed by God is by having individuals within the nation who are blessed by God. The only way you can have a godly church is by having individuals within the church who are godly. The only way you can have a godly family is by having each individual within the family be a godly individual. So verse 24, 25, and 26 focus on the individual. If God's blessing is going to come on your family, if God's blessing is going to be on my family, It has to be involved with each of us individually. 
God is concerned about me as an individual. He's concerned about you as an individual. And he wants to bless. Notice it says in verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The word keep here is a word that means to keep safe. It's used often in the Old Testament in the sense of protection and watching over someone. For example, in David's life, when he was doing battle, it tells us that the Lord kept him, protected him when he was in battle. Keep your Bible, keep your finger in this part of your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 121. The book of Psalms, Psalm 121. Because the exact same word, keep, is used several times in Psalm 121. I want you just to get an idea of how it's used and the emphasis of it. Psalm 121. By the way, we'll look at a few other Psalms this morning also, so you might want to keep a finger over in the book of Psalms. But the psalmist says in Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. To slip. He who keeps you, there's our word, will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps, there's our word again, Israel, will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. There's our word again. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will, my Bible says, protect you. That's the same word, keep again. In verse 7, protect you, keep you from all evil. He'll keep, verse 7 again says, your soul, the Lord will keep, guard. You're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forever. The idea is no matter where you're going in your physical life, you're getting out, coming in, getting up, laying down, whatever it happens to be. When the sun shines, when the moon's out, God keeps his people. It's talking about his physical protection, the way he watches over us. And our God is that kind of God. Now, my guess is that those of you who are parents, grandparents... You like, as much as possible, you want to protect your kids. Don't you? We do. You know, I'm watching my son and my daughter-in-law as they bring up these little girls. And they, they, they want to, they keep them. They want to protect them. At their home, they've got a, like a playpen area that they put the girls in. They've got walls. The girls can't get out. Not yet. The day is coming. They will get out. But right now, and they, re, they put them in there with their toys because that keeps them it protects them you know we take our kids to the mall and we want to make sure that they're always within sight because we try to watch over them and protect them and keep them we do we want to protect our kids we want to protect our families God says I want to protect you too do you ever my guess is that most of us pray that the Lord will keep he'll protect he'll watch over we do that naturally you know, I, we pray, my wife and I, we pray for our family every day. We pray, we, we name our grandkids, we name our kids every day. And one of the things that we almost always pray for is that the Lord will watch over them and keep them well and keep them safe. We're concerned about that, aren't you? And that's what the Bible's telling us. We can do that, and properly so. But, 
That's not where the emphasis is. Now, there's a thing that is hard to pick up in our English translations. But verse 24 in the original text, in the Hebrew text, only has three words. That's all there are. Just three words. Now, in my Bible, it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. That's more than three words. But in the original text, it's only three words long. This is a short verse. This is the least important of the three verses. It starts there, but it certainly doesn't end there. Let's take a look at the next one. The Lord not only wants to give you physical well-being, he wants to give you spiritual life. Notice verse 25. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. This verse, interestingly enough, has five words in it. Verse 24 has three words. This one has five words. There's more involved in this one. Notice what he says. The Lord make his face shine on you. The face stands for the personality of God. That you're in his presence. You're seeing him right there. And he talks about his face shining on you. The idea is the favor of God is on your life. Now, interestingly enough, in the scriptures, God's face can sometimes be said to be against people. For example, those who are his enemies. It tells us that God's face is against those kind of people. I told you to keep your finger in Psalms. Look at Psalm 34 and you'll see an example of this. Psalm 34. And notice when we get down to verse 16. Psalm 34, verse 16. Here we've got a reverence to the face of the Lord. The face of the Lord is against whom? This is time you can talk. It's all right. They can't talk, right, Pastor Joe? It is permissible? Yeah, all right. Who's the face of the Lord against? Evildoers. If you're doing that which is improper, you're doing that which is wrong, God's face is against you. Those of you who are kids, can you remember occasion when you did something you probably shouldn't have done and the look on your mom or dad's face? Do you remember occasions like that? Yeah. Those of you who are adults, can you remember back the time when you were kids? And your mom or your dad just gave you that look. And you knew you were in trouble. You know, the face is against you. And there are times that God's face can be against people. On the other hand, his face can also... It can be like sunshine and the warmth that you get on a beautiful day. Uh, Take a look. You're in Psalm 34. Just turn back to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. And verse 16 there. The prayer says, Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. So God's face can be shining in favor or it can be against. And the the ironic benediction, the the prayer back in Numbers chapter 6 is, let's pray that we're going to be living in such a way that God's face will be shining on us in approval. Isn't that the better way to be? It's much more pleasant in the home when everybody's getting along, isn't it? 
How about then praying for our kids and praying for our grandkids? And kids can pray for their parents and their grandparents. That God's face will shine upon us with his blessing. Now, the last part of the verse tells us how that's all to be focused. And be gracious to you. It depends on God's grace. That's a crucial element. Without the grace of God, there is no possibility His blessing is going to be on our life. Because none of us deserve His blessing. By nature, we are wicked people. Those little granddaughters that we had in our house the other day, we look at them and say, Oh, they're just so perfect. No, they're not. They are sinners waiting to develop it. We've already started to see it. It's just fascinating to watch. Because they'll be sitting next to each other, and one of them will have some kind of a toy. And the other will just reach over and take it. And this, the, 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 take it back. And the other day, they each had a toy, one in, one in one hand, one in the other hand. And they each reached and grabbed each other's toy, and so they just switched toys. The day is coming. And by the way, they didn't cry in the process. But the day is coming, they will. You been there? Seen that? Yeah? You know, this kid's going to take it away. And the other one's going to yell and scream and cry. And that's just the way it is. Have you ever noticed you don't have to teach kids how to be bad? They just kind of do it. Have you ever noticed that? We have to teach them how to be good. There's a wickedness that we have because we are sinful by nature. How do we remedy that? By God's grace. That was true for the Old Testament. And that's still true for the New Testament. It's true for our salvation. By grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Remember that? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. The Lord Jesus came to this earth as a demonstration of God's grace because we need His grace. We need His grace in salvation, but we also need His grace in our day-by-day life. Have you ever noticed how oftentimes in the scriptures, Paul, for example, prays and introduces epistles by saying, The grace of God be with you? That's because even believers live underneath the grace of God. If we're going to have any kind of blessings on our life, it has to come because we have a spiritual relationship with God and that's founded in His grace. And even in the Old Testament, they recognize that. The Lord be gracious to you. So let's pray for our kids. Let's pray for our grandkids. Let's pray for our parents. Let's pray for our grandparents. That God's graciousness will be manifested in our lives. So we move from physical prosperity to spiritual life. The next verse, verse 26, focuses on spiritual prosperity. Having spiritual life is the first step. Now we have to take it to the next step and get spiritual prosperity. Remember I said verse 24 had how many words in the original text? Three. Three. Verse 25 has how many words? Five. Verse 26 has seven. It's the most detailed of all. And I think what the, what, what the writer is doing is taking us from the least 
to the next greatest, to the most great of all. He's taken us up a sequence. Yes, we were, we're concerned about physical well-being. Yeah, but that's, that's just kind of a given. And God's concerned about it. Yes, he is. God's more concerned about our spiritual life and our walk with him. And now God takes us to that which he's most concerned at all. And that's our spiritual prosperity. God wants us to prosper spiritually. Notice what he says, verse 25. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Now the interesting thing, and almost all English versions do this. Verse 26, the word countenance. It's the exact same word and even the exact same form of the word that's translated face in verse 24. It says, the, the verse 25, the Lord make his face shine upon you. And then verse 26, the Lord lift up his face on you. Now, let me, let me try and help you sort through this. Let's imagine that your son, your daughter, your granddaughter, your grandson, whoever it happens to be, is going to receive some kind of a special award. And you've been invited to come and watch. So here you are, you're in a crowd of people, and you've been invited to come. And you, you come in, and you, you see where your son or your grandson is going to be seated. And you want to make sure that you're seated somewhere so he or she can see you. Right? That's the way I like to do it. And when they get their reward, their award, whatever it happens to be, we want to make sure that when they look my direction... That they can see that I'm right there. I'm watching them. I'm pleased with them. I'm lifting up my face so they can see me smile. Can you connect with that? When my son was a senior in high school, he was on the golf team at his high school. And after the seasons were all over, the basketball, the football, the swimming and everything else, all the athletes were gathered together to get their letters and their awards and all that. And my son did well in golf, and so he was going to be getting an award because of it. And so we were invited to come to the, they had a dinner and then the awards. And Linda and I were both invited. Was it just the dads? Was it, I, was, I know you didn't go. Okay, so I got invited. She didn't get to go. Oh, that's right, because it was only the guys. It wasn't the girl athletes. They got invited to a different one. Uh, so this was just the guy athletes. So I got invited, and my son and I, we walked into this place, and over on one side was the table where all the athletes were seated, and over here you had the tables where all the dads were seated. And so I, I, you know, I look, where's my son? Where's going to be the award? And every dad was doing the same thing. You know, where can I sit so that when our, my son stands up and gets his award, he can see me? And all of us dads, we all wanted to do that. We all wanted to be seated where our son could see us. So that when he got the award, he got his letter, we could smile and just lift up and say, here I am, son, I'm with you. Do you ever start to think that's what God wants to do with you spiritually? Same kind of thing. As we live for Him, as we please Him, He says, look at me. I'm smiling at you. I'm lifting up my face so you can see me. 
I'm there with you. As you grow in me, I'm on your side. Now, sometimes we don't think of God that way most of the time, do we? Like a proud dad watching his son get an award. But that's exactly what the Bible's talking about here. The Lord lift up his face on you. And this is a prayer that we ought to pray for our family. I want God's face to be lifted up with my son, with my daughters, with their spouses, with my grandkids, with the people in our Sunday school, with the leaders of my church. I want God's face to be lifted up. They can be pleased that he will be pleased with them. And then he ends in verse 26 by saying, and give you peace. You've all heard that word, shalom. That's what it is right here. And peace, as far as the Bible is concerned, is not just the absence of war. You know, shalom. When do, when do the Jews say shalom? Well, they say it when they meet somebody. They say it when they leave someone. They say it in prayers for someone. It, it's that desire for the fullness of well-being in your life. And that's what the word means here. The fullness of God's spiritual well-being. I want it to be in your life. So that from the very depth of your soul, there's peace. That should be our desire for our families. And for the family of God. So that's the content. Now, verse 27, we have a condition. How can we make sure that we get this thing? Verse 27. So they shall invoke my name on the children of Israel. There's a connection with God's name. Now, that doesn't mean that you wake up in the morning and the first thing you say is, okay, I'm going to say God's name, Lord. Okay, I'm good for the day. No, that's not it. It doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, breakfast. Okay, I got to get God's name in here. Yahweh. Okay, that's it. I'm ready. No, that's not what it means. We use the word name in a similar sense in some of our English transactions today. For example, you go to the store, you're going to buy something. And you pull out this little piece of plastic, MasterCard, Visa, American Express, whatever it happens to be. And they run it through their little machine, and then they hand you a pen so you can sign your name. Now, I take the pen and I put some ink on a piece of paper. Is that magic? I mean, does that suddenly just verify everything? Just writing a little bit of ink on a piece of paper, that just magically takes care of everything, right? Well, sometimes our kids think so. You know, son, I can't buy that. I don't have enough money. That's okay, Dad. Just charge it. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> takes them a while to learn that. But the reality is, putting my name on a piece of paper doesn't mean a thing unless there's the character of my person behind the name, right? Putting my name on the piece of paper says my character is such that I guarantee I'll pay that. 
Now I'm supposed to pay it then. I'm not supposed to default on it. In a similar sense, when God says, take my name, that means take my character. Our lives should reflect the character of God. I'm going to pray this for my kids. I'm going to pray this for my grandkids. Pray this for my church people. Pray that the family blessing will be there. When does God answer that prayer? When my character matches his character. That's when it works. If my character doesn't match God's character, if my character is not reflecting him, if I'm not living the way he wants me to live, then this doesn't work. This isn't a magical prayer that you can pray and just guarantee everything's going to be great with your family. That's not the way it is. It depends upon our relationship to our God. I have to make sure that my life reflects Him. Have you ever had people walk up to you and just say, Excuse me, are you a Christian? You ever had that happen? I've had that happen sometimes. My wife was at a meeting of our homeowners association where we live and I wasn't there. This happened a few years ago and after the meeting was over, a stranger came up to her, one of the men that lived in the community. And he said, excuse me, are you the Baptist preacher's wife? She didn't know who he was, but they knew us. You know, people look at you. What do they see? They should see the character of God. And he says, that's the condition. Invoke my name. Reflect my character. Be the kind of person that God wants you to be. And then God says, verse 27, I will bless them. I'll do these things. I'll keep them, verse 24. I'll make my face shine on them and be gracious to them. I'll lift up my face on them and give them peace. As you reflect my character. My responsibility is to reflect the character of God and then pray for my family, pray for my kids, pray for my grandkids and live my life to reflecting, reflecting God's character in the process. And when I'm doing my part, then I can confidently ask God to do His part. And so can you. So the question for me and the question for you today is not, first of all, are you praying this kind of prayer for your family? But the question we must answer first is, are we reflecting the character of God the way we should be? Are we living for Him? Do we know Him as our Savior? Have we given Him our life? Are we walking in obedience to His Word? Are we living under His grace? Do people see the Lord in me? And if I can say that, then I can come before the Lord in prayer. And I can say, Lord, I want you to keep my family. I want you to lift up your face upon them. I want you to be gracious to them. I want your face to shine upon them in acceptance and approval. I want you to give them your peace. And you can pray that for your family.
and I can pray it for mine. Let's make a commitment to the Lord that we're going to reflect His character and we're going to intercede on behalf of our families. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us even today. All these hundreds of years after Moses wrote those words, they still challenge our hearts. They direct our steps. They guide our prayers. Well, Lord, we realize that first of all, we have to make sure that we know you by grace. And if there should be someone here in this congregation this morning who's never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior from sin, Lord, we'd pray for that man, that woman, that young person, that they'd come to know you today, trusting Christ and experiencing your grace for forgiveness of sin. But probably most of us here, we've already trusted you as our Savior. And Lord, we need now to reflect your character so that others can see you living in us. And as we reflect that character, as we demonstrate that we're walking in obedience to your word, then Lord, let us come into your presence with confidence and assurance, praying for our families, expecting you to bless. We give you our lives in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.